Hey folks, this is Kevin. Hey, I am away from Risk this week because I'm out doing my sketch comedy group, The State's Tour. We are doing shows now around the country. And so I thought I would hand over the hosting of this week's episode to one of our audio editors and story producers, someone who is very beloved by the whole team here, Taj Easton. So, without further ado, take it away, Taj. Thanks, Kevin. Toodaloo! Hey, everyone. On this week's episode of Risk, you'll hear Ron Hart. Parenting is not a competition, but it is possible to be a loser. (laughs) We'll hear that and plenty more quality content. But first, do you have a story? Has there been something that's happened to you which is very peculiar or interesting or scary or sad or funny or sexy? Send us your pitches. We love stories. We love to hear your stories. We want to help you turn them from cool stories into amazing, flooring, flabbergasting stories. So please, send us your pitches. You don't have to be some big shot storyteller. I've told a story on risk, and I'm an uninteresting jerk-off. You can do it. Everything you need to know is at risk-show.com submissions. We'll be right back. The connection between you and your therapist matters. That's why Alma focuses on helping you find the right someone to talk to, not just anyone. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search by what you want to focus on, like anxiety, relationships, or big life transitions. You can also specify preferences around gender, race, faith, and more to help you find someone who's more likely to understand where you're coming from. Alma also makes it easy for therapists to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of providers in their directory accept insurance for sessions, so you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash not just anyone to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash not just anyone. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Now here's the show.
I have a very special friend, and Daddy is his name. O D A D D Y D A D D Y D A D D Y, and Daddy is his name. O Shut up in there! I'm watching the game. And Daddy is his name. Hey friends, this is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Taj Easton, I do a bunch of shit here at Risk, and this is James Brown in the background now, and we're calling this week's episode, Pops. You know, like, dad, dada, daddy, papa, poppy, we've all had one. My daddy fucked me up in innumerable ways. But damn it if he didn't help me out a lot, too. I suppose we all have some kinds of daddy issues. It's complicated. Dads, am I right? Sometimes they're more emotionally distant than we would like. Sometimes they're more racist than we would like. Sometimes they're not very funny. Sometimes they're pretty damn sweet. We all got daddy issues, and today we're gonna hear about some. In a little bit, we've got a story from the fabulous Ron Hart, but first, we're gonna hear from veteran storyteller Gail Thomas, coach at risk in the story studio, writer, actor, lawyer, badass. Here's Gail now with a story we call Fallen Goober. I did not walk through my parents' living room. I did car wheels. There's another gymnast. Um, and then I went into my bedroom and cried. It wasn't that I had a rough childhood. I just felt everything deeply, more deeply than anybody else. It was Oklahoma in the 70s. We lived at the end, in the suburbs, at the end of a cul-de-sac where deep conversations go to die. <laughs> Emotions were discouraged. And talking about feelings was, as my mom would put it, well, I just don't need to do that. <laughs> I did need to do that. I was a skinny girl with a pixie haircut. I was a daydreamer and a poet. And I would cry at cartoons. <laughs> I would cry at sunsets. I would cry when my sister sat on me and pinned my arms to the ground. <laughs> but fortunately, I had dad. Dad would knock on my bedroom door, peek his head in, and come in and comfort me. He would make me laugh no matter how much I wanted to cry. He would be like, oh. <laughs> and we had 
had our own special language. He used to call me Goober, which was a big compliment. <laughs> and if he was really proud of me, he would call me Goober Duckus. That's what you want to hear. <laughs> I said to dad that I am never going to get married unless I can find somebody exactly like you. And we agreed that that was impossible. <laughs> By the time I reached high school, his older brother, Uncle Buddy, told me at a drunken family event, you know, you're the favorite. And I kind of knew that, but I wanted to keep it on the down low. <laughs> because I don't want my sister to sit on me again. <laughs> so, I grew up, and I moved. I did something that Dad would never do. I moved to New York City, I quit my lucrative corporate job, and I became an actor. Because that's where they need people who can cry. <laughs> One summer evening in 2003, Dad called and asked me what I had been doing that day. And I said, oh, well, I, um, I just walked in the Peace March. And he hung up on me. <laughs> yeah, that had never happened before. I, I was shocked, but I was not surprised. It was Oklahoma. My dad was sitting in his recliner. He had retired, and all he was doing now was watching Fox News a staunch Republican. I'm holding the phone and I'm so shocked and I want to call him back and just say, you know, Dad, I actually didn't really walk in the Peace March. I actually went to go get a slice of pizza and the Peace March was next to the pizza shop <laughs> and I was just eating my slice as I walked. I thought, oh, I could just walk in the march. And it was like a pizza march, not actually a peace march. <laughs> and that was actually true because I wasn't very political. But when I thought about it, as I'm holding the phone trying to figure out what to do, I think, what is wrong with walking in a peace march? But the bond that Dad and I had had disappeared. And I wasn't sure if I could get it back. Now, by now, my sister is a staunch Republican. Before, she was the rebel, and I was the good girl. And now, I'm the rebel, and she's the good girl. And that same year, my dad tells me, well, I've decided, you know, your sister's going to be the power of attorney and the executor and the power of everything. And I, I'm kind of crushed. But I also, I got to be me. But I think, well, okay, I'll just keep trying to get it back. Maybe I can get this goober thing back again, you know? I'll just keep, I'm charming, I'm still charming. So I, I would go to visit, I would visit Oklahoma frequently, and dad would be sitting in his recliner opening peanut shells, throwing them into the grocery bag, and watching Fox News. And I couldn't hold myself back. I was like, Dad, they're, they're brainwashing you. Why are you, you're too smart for this. I didn't say that, but I said, you know, I tried, and I tried to say it in a nice way. I don't know how to say it in a nice way, but I, I tried. And things just couldn't get better. I, I just started going to my room quietly and spending less time in the living room. One particular visit, however, he was making pancakes and he was putting blueberries into the pancakes. And he mentioned that my sister actually, whenever she had got out of the blueberries, she would wash them all at the same time, which he said was a terrible thing because that makes them spoil much sooner. And I thought, well, that's a win. I don't do that, Dad. <laughs> I, 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 I wash the blueberries one at a time, Dad, and I will continue to do that. 
So I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to find this compromise between being me and, and finding our closeness. And I'm really looking forward to Thanksgiving of 2018 because my brother and sister are not going to be there. So I'll have full-on charm, no competition with the Republicans, just me. And I can't wait, right? And at this point, my parents have moved into assisted living, and I stay at the house, which is very close to that, and we have a lovely dinner. And that morning, early the next morning, my mom calls at 3 o'clock in the morning and says, Dad's breathing is bad again. you got to come over here. And I go to their apartment, and I rush Dad to the ER. And he spends the next few days in ICU but he gets better. And they send him to the room, the floor that's the fourth floor, which is supposed to be the you're getting out of here soon floor, so we're optimistic. And I'm sitting with him, I'm sitting next to his hospital bed, and he's falling asleep in the middle of a sentence. This is not right, this is not, I'm not buying this get out of here soon thing. So I run and find a nurse and I bring her in here and I, she measures his, his breathing and she's like, she gasps herself and they rush him back to ICU. And now I'm sitting late at night in the waiting room, surrounded by all these families, you know, in these different sectionals, and I'm sitting there in this solo chair, and I think, okay, this is my job now. I can do this. I can do this for Dad. I can do this for the family. My job is to keep Dad from suffering, to comfort Mom, and to text my brother and sister updates on all the medical stuff, which is not easy to do but he does get better. And so my sister and brother, they come into town, and I fly back to New York to catch up on some stuff, and we sort of do a tag team. And my sister calls me at one point and says, Dad is staring at the clock in his room, and he's saying, tick tock, when do you think it's gonna happen? And I actually think that's kind of funny, because Dad and I, one of the things we shared was a dark sense of humor. <laughs> And I think, you know, he probably wouldn't say that to me because I would probably say, I don't know, Dad, when do you think it's going to happen? <laughs> and my sister says, you know, it's really cruel because he knows that this would upset me. And I'm like, yeah. And he wouldn't say it to me. He also tells her that he says that Gail wants to be here for the Big Bang. And I do. He's right. I want to be there for the Big Bang. But it's not happening yet, he's getting better. And so now I fly back into Oklahoma City to be there for when they're going to take dad and, and send him to the rehab center because he's getting better. So mom waits by the elevators and I go into dad's room while the um, paramedics come and they're strapping him into this portable gurney thing. His face contorts and I say, dad, do you want some pain meds? And he says, pain meds, and he passes out. Suddenly it's cold red and the entire, it feels like the entire hospital is now in my dad's room and they're running around and I'm like, this is my job now, my decision, as the doctor comes up to me and says, do you want us to give him CPR? And that's not supposed to be my job and there was supposed to be a DNR, but there isn't one and I'm supposed to decide and the doctor says, you know, this could break his ribs and I'm supposed to decide and I say, I know that my brother and my sister want to be there, and I just don't feel like it's time, and so I say, give him CPR. And they do. And they send him back to ICU. 
and I'm praying that I made the right decision. And my brother and sister fly into town, and we're all there sitting around, standing around his, his hospital bed when he wakes up the next morning, or when the doctor begins to wake him up. And I am just praying that I made the right decision, and he doesn't wake up in pain. They take out the tube, he wakes up, and he smiles, and he laughs, and he makes jokes, and he winks at my mom repeatedly, and she says, oh, Jim. And it's the sweetest day. He's not grouchy. He's not in pain. He's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful day. And they take him, later in the day, they take him to a hospice room, and I spend the first night there with Dad, and the whole time he's been in the hospital, I keep wanting to have the conversation, you know, to say, Dad, you know, I love you, and can we get back on track, and, you know, I'm sorry that I kept bringing up the Fox News thing, and then I went to my room, and, you know, you, I just, that's, but I know that this isn't the time to say that, because this is his, he's on the way out, and this isn't about me, this is about him, so I think, well, okay, Maybe the best thing to do right now is to circle back to childhood. And I say, okay, Dad, you were in, didn't you play a lot of sports when you were little? And he says, yeah, I played a lot of sports. And I said, you were really good, weren't you? And he's like, yeah, I was really good. And I said, what'd you play? He said, baseball. And I said, oh, yeah. He said, I was in the outfield. I had a really good eye. And I said, okay, Dad, what was the name of your team? What was the name of your baseball team? And he says, Wildcats. And he falls asleep. And the next day, my sister spends the night, and he's still with us. And I ask the nurse, can he still hear us? Because he's not talking anymore. And she says, yeah, the, the last thing to go is hearing. And so my sister and I, first she leaves the room, and I kneel next to him, and I think, okay, now I'm going to have this conversation. And I feel kind of bad because I can't talk back now, but I, I want to say so many things. So I say, Dad, sorry about the Fox News thing. I really love you, and you're, you're a great dad, and I learned so much from you. And then my sister comes back, and then we stand on each side of his bed, one, each of us holding one of his arms, and we sing, when he lifts you up on eagle's wings. And then we go home to shower and return quickly but when we get back, the nurse tells us that dad had passed. And she takes me aside and tells me, you know, this is one of the most peaceful departures I've ever seen from any patient. And I'm just so grateful that I could be, I did make his life more difficult at the end, and I was confrontational, maybe when I shouldn't have been as he was aging. But I did pull out some gooberness at the end. And my sister tells me, once he's gone, that because I'm still sort of tortured by it, I'm still thinking maybe I shouldn't have been so stubborn and maybe I shouldn't have, you know, maybe I should have pretended to be a Republican. Maybe that's what I should have done. But my sister says, no, you know, you actually showed him that he can love someone who has different beliefs than he does. Well, that's pretty good. But I'm still not satisfied. So I hear about a medium and I decide I'm gonna to talk to dad up there. And so I, I have this session with this medium, and the first thing I say to him is, it, to him through her, is, so dad, you know, why did you pick Kay? Why did you give my sister Kay all the power of everything? I mean, I was your goober, and, and we were really close, and why'd you do that? And he said, through her, that it was easier. And I couldn't argue with that. I was not being easy. 
And then I say, well, dad, you know, why couldn't you respect my beliefs? Because I, you know, I have my own beliefs. And, and he said through her, why didn't you respect mine? And I was like, oh, that's a good one. I hadn't thought of that. And that's definitely dad. And one of the things I had wanted to ask him is, you know, now that you're in heaven, you know that Trump is wrong, bad, right? You know, now they don't have Fox News. I'm right, right? But he just brought up the thing about respecting his beliefs, so I got to let that go. But I finally felt at peace. I finally felt at peace. And I realized, I'm still single. <laughs> and I realized I am not going to find, and nor should I, I don't need to be with a man who's just like my dad, because he wouldn't be right for me. But I do know what my dad and I share is a strong will, sticking to our beliefs, and I know that love is not about agreement. Love is about respect. Thanks. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. We're back. and strong he goes to work each day and he stays all day long he comes home each night looking tired and beat he sits down at the dinner table and has a bite to eat never a frown always a smile when he says to me how's my child I said that I've been studying hard all day in school trying very hard to understand the golden rule I think I'll color this man father. father. I think I'll color him love. Said I'm gonna color him father. I think I'll color the man love. Yes, I 
This is Risk. This is the Winstons in the background now. And we just heard from Gail Thomas. Gail, fuck yes. That story really hit home for me. I lost my dad a couple years ago, and I can really relate to the nuanced, complicated, sometimes difficult relationship that Gail had with her dad. But she loves him so much, and she so wants to have a meaningful connection with him. I really appreciate Gail's vulnerability and perspective in sharing that. You can find Gail at RealGailThomas on Twitter and Instagram. Folks, one of our Patreon patrons, Jessica Louise, recently sent us this note with their donation during our struggle to keep risk running. Jessica writes, Thank you so much for existing and supporting such an awe-inspiring experience for listeners and participants. As a queer liberal southerner, your podcast has introduced me to so many different ideas I never even knew existed. One example I must highlight is that the stories you have focusing on human sexuality have helped me be able to heal my own trauma and taught me that I'm not alone. May this podcast live on forever. You are all angels. Ah, thank you so much, Jessica. We also got a message from Madison Collins, which said, don't die. Thank you, Madison. Getting messages like this from our fans really keeps us going. Thank you both so much. You can join this grateful chorus of noble, courageous, heroic women and men at patreon.com risk. Next up, we've got a story from Ron Hart. Like Gail's story, this was told at our August LA show at the Lyric Hyperion. Those shows are hosted by David Crabb, and they're awesome. If you're anywhere in the LA area, you should definitely check one out. Just go to risk-show.com live for details. Ron is a storyteller whose day job is writing children's television, including co-creating the Disney Channel show Live and Maddie. Here's Ron now with a story we call Gymnastics Dad. Okay, so I'm a dad, I have two teenage daughters, and they go to my wife when they need to talk about clothes or their friends or their emotions or their changing bodies. They come to me when they need a ride. <laughs> I'm, I'm essentially our kid's Uber driver, so parenting is not a competition, but it is possible to be a loser. My younger daughter's name is Lula. When she was 11 years old, she joined a competitive gymnastics team because being graceful skips a generation. <laughs> now, my wife has many amazing attributes, but possessing the patience to sit through a four-hour-long gymnastics meet with middle schoolers is not one of them. But I actually liked watching Lula compete, and she sensed that, so she chose me. I became a gymnastics dad. <laughs> and that's... Thank you. It's basically the Uber thing. It's just that when we get to the meets, we would walk in together until she saw her friends and then she would sprint away from me as fast as she could. Now, I grew up playing sports. You probably pegged me as an athlete, right? But I did, you know, basketball, baseball, tennis, basically anything that had a ball. I tried it and I sucked at it. Like, I played soccer for years. I was the backup goalie. Like, if you're a coach for a soccer team, you take the kid who's the worst and you make him the goalie. 
I was the backup goalie. Like it just, they wanted me on the bench, but not in the uniform. They wanted me in a goalie shirt just so they didn't accidentally put me in a game. So I was terrible at this. And the closest I ever got to gymnastics though was when I said to my mom that I was gonna play football. She signed me up for a tumbling class because in her words, I needed to learn how to fall down a lot. But Lula had something I never had as an athlete, talent. She was really good at this. And on top of that, she loved it. And as a parent, to get to watch your kid do something they love, it's just this like amazing feeling. So I got to do that, and that was like what being a gymnastics dad was. Now, we would drive hours away, you know, to get to this place, and like, it's like a convention center, there's a hundred kids running around, and there's, um, all the parents are crazy, and at the end of the event, there's like an hours-long award ceremony, because every single kid has to win something. This is my life. Now, it's been a minute since the last Olympics, so I'm guessing a lot of you don't recall the rules for gymnastics. At an event, a meet, the gymnasts compete on four apparatuses. There's the bars, beam, floor, and vault. They get a score on each one of those. And then there's also an overall score for your meet. Now, at the end of the season, they had a state tournament. Lula really wanted to qualify for that. In order to qualify, her overall score had to be above a certain number for one event that season. Now, she was really good at three events, but she struggled with the bars. So because of that, her score was never quite high enough and she couldn't quite qualify for the, the state tournament and time was running out in the season. So as gymnastics dad, I said, well, tough shit, kid. <laughs> no, no. I said, hey, I think, I think you're gonna have to work harder to get this done. And she's like, can I take private lessons to get better at the bars? I was like, sure, more daddy Uber time, great. And this time it wasn't, she didn't even have her friends there, it was just her coach, but still she would sprint away from me. But she put her head down, she worked harder, she started getting better. Another thing I never experienced as an athlete, improvement. <laughs> and finally, she had a meet and she hit the magic number. She qualified for the state tournament. She was stoked. We got smoothies. This was March 7th, 2020. Oh, you guys remember? Okay. <laughs> Seven days later, the world ends. And look, a lot of bad things happened, but in our corner of the world, they canceled the state tournament. She was devastated. And then gymnastics went away for a long time. When it came back, her gym had to like pull their equipment out into the parking lot and put down mats. She was in a mask six feet away from her friends. It was horrible. I mean, a million people died too, but this was really hard on her. <laughs> and then they didn't know if they were gonna have a season. Finally, they were like, okay, it's gonna be a truncated season. And by now, Lula is 13 years old. All she wanted was to qualify for that state tournament once again. But because she'd taken all this time off, well, not time off, but there was like less practice, her skills had like had slipped. And she, once again, she wasn't getting the scores on the bars that she needed to qualify. Week after week, she would see her friends qualify for this tournament, but she didn't make it. She was devastated. And unlike my father watching me play tennis, I knew that she could do better. <laughs> But she had been through this once before, so Lula worked harder. It was amazing to watch as a parent, and slowly her scores started creeping closer and closer to that magic number until she was almost there. But time was running out, it was a short season, and there was only one meet left in the entire season, her last chance to qualify for the state tournament. 
Now, it happened that my wife was out of town, but this was such a hot topic in our house that Lula's older sister, Anina, who never came out of her bedroom unless a new season of the Umbrella Academy dropped, <laughs> was going to come with us to this meet. We drive like an hour to get there. So once we get there, the girls go to the bathroom. So now I have both daughters running away from me. But a second later, Anina comes racing out of the bathroom. She's like, Lula caught sight of herself in the bathroom mirror and she realized there, an hour from home, that the new bra my wife had bought her was sticking out of the back of her competition leotard and there was no way to cover it up. She's freaking out, crying, and would not leave the bathroom. Now, you guys are probably wondering, why would she freak out so much about a bra strap? Let gymnastics dad break this down for you. <laughs> gymnastics has a governing body in this country. It's called USA Gymnastics. It's this wonderful organization. If you're like comparing it to the NRA. That's harsh, that's harsh. I don't know that the NRA ever employed Larry Nasser, but they have a lot of draconian rules about like gymnast hair, jewelry, makeup, and what they wear. There's literally an actual rule prohibiting visible underwear. They consider this a uniform violation and deduct points from little girls, because they're awesome. Now remember, I said I played a lot of sports growing up. I don't think there was ever a time I was on the field that my underwear wasn't showing somehow. <laughs> this is just a different world, right? But now this event is happening in like 15 minutes. And if Lula takes the floor with a bra strap showing, she's gonna have to eat a deduction and then there is no way she's gonna qualify for the state tournament. This is a catastrophe. I, I have to fix it. I'm trying to think, what can I do? What can I do? I was, I was like, um, uh, could she just not wear a bra? And Anina is like, dude. <laughs> parenting is not a competition, but my wife would not have asked that question. <laughs> and here's the thing, it's okay for me to kind of joke about my wife doing all the parenting, but only if I am actually there for my kids when they really need me. And on that day, my daughter really needed me to go emergency bra shopping. <laughs> So I said to Anina, I'll be back. And I ran to the mall across the street from the convention center. Yes, me running. <laughs> I am sweating. I'm out of breath. Everybody's in the mall is like staring at me. At this moment, Anina texts me, the coach says you have 10 minutes, which is great because I needed anxiety to get my heart rate up even higher. <laughs> I'm spinning around this mall atrium, just looking at the signs, trying to figure out what to do. I know I could find a soft pretzel here. I don't know how to find a bra. I am lost. But then I remembered something my wife said. We used to, when the kids were little, we would take them to Disneyland. And she would say to them, this is a big place. If we get separated and you get lost, find a mommy and ask for help. <laughs> She's smart. And then I see a woman pushing a stroller. A mommy! I run up to her. We're gonna get a bra! Now, I'm sure this woman still goes to dinner parties and tells the story about the sweaty fat guy asking about buying lingerie. But my wife was right. Mommy has come through. She took this lost little boy and pointed him in the direction of H&M. 
which was perfect, but it was this huge store. And it was like I had walked into Dodger Stadium and someone had put a bra in every seat. And I'm like, how am I gonna find the right one in 10 minutes, which is when Anina texts me, seven minutes! And I was like, oh my God, like, you know, how is this gonna work? Like, Lula had worked so hard to make her dream come true, and now it was all going to shit because she was wearing the wrong underwear and her dad couldn't fix it. I felt defeated. I was not the right parent for this job. My kid had let me into this one little corner for life and I failed her. But then, standing there, I realized I was the right parent for this job. As gymnastics dad, the thing I saw most often was Lula booking it away from me. All I ever saw was the back of her competition leotard. I'm the one who knew precisely where a bra strap could not be. I did not realize it, but I had been training for this moment all season long. So now the theme from The Natural is playing in my head. I'm swiping away hanger after hanger until I find it, the bra. I grab it, I go up, I'm paying for it, and as I'm paying, Anina texts me, four minutes, and I say to the cashier, no bag! And I go running back through this mall with a bra in my fist. Stroller mom sees me, she shoots me finger guns. An old man holds open the door, traffic stops, because I look like a crazy person. When I get to the venue, Anina is waiting for me. She takes the bra and races to the bathroom to give it to her sister. Lula gets to the floor of the event as they are singing the national anthem to start, I stuck the landing. And then, much like her father in the girls' underwear department, <laughs> Lula rose to the occasion. She had her best meet of the season. She hit the magic number. She was going to the state tournament. And Ian and I are going crazy in the stands. Yeah, yeah you can clap for her. She's 13. <laughs> so afterwards, she comes up, and I congratulate her, give her a hug. And then she sprints away from me so she can go get a good seat for the nine-hour medal ceremony. And as I'm watching her go, just noting the beautiful lack of visible underwear. <laughs> it occurs to me that someday she's gonna run away from me forever. She's gonna go off, she's gonna have her life, be a beautiful adult, and maybe somewhere down the line, the fact that she worked so hard to achieve her dreams and made it happen will matter to her. And because of that, I think that I finally found the sport I'm good at, gymnastics dad. <laughs> the day you got your first bra, chances are it was probably pretty embarrassing. It was embarrassing. My dad took it upon himself to go buy me my training bra. Oh, without me. <laughs> Lady, where the fuck can a guy get a bra around here? Her bra strap was showing. That's illegal, you know. See how she's trying to hide it? This is the perfect place to hide it. I'm pretty sure that's illegal, too. I was desperate for a bra. Gotta get you a new bra, woman. I need a fucking bra for a little fucking kid. You're a super dad. Well, cheers to having the best dad in the world.
This is motherfucking Risk. This is Dwayne Eddy in the background now. We just heard a fabulously weird and bizarre interstitial by Jeff Barr. And before that, we heard that touching story from Ron Hart. Isn't he a sweet and loving and inspiring dad? That's how you do it. You can find Ron at Scatter on Twitter and at RonHart44 on Instagram. People, we got live shows coming up for Risk. We got one in New York on November 16th. We got one in LA on November 21st. These shows are great. They're fantastic. When was the last time you got together with a group of people and you pissed your pants laughing and wept until you shivered and shook and sobbed with joy and delight? You're going to be with a whole big group of wonderful people. I think, I can't vouch for the whole audience, but they're usually pretty cool. And you're just going to revel in the whole breadth of emotions that we experience at these shows. These are real stories, guys. This is true stuff, and it's intense, and it's funny, and it's, it's great. It's just great. So get going get out there go to wristashow.com slash live to get tickets for these shows you can learn all about them you get get going right now go to the website and check it out and you're not going to be sorry also if you're not already a patreon subscriber i'd strongly encourage you to do so we could really really use the help and you'll get access to so much great content This week, our patrons can listen to a check-in by Kevin, the beloved missing Kevin. I hope he comes back soon because I don't want to be here. I miss him. He's currently gallivanting across the country on tour with his comedy troupe, The State. Here's a little taste of what that check-in sounds like. Fucking Batman. (laughs) Oh, Kevin, you're so lovable. We'll be right back. We're back. Next week, Kevin will be back, and he'll be presenting Scary Stories number 15. It's all terrifying, all the time. Ghoulish and spooky and bloody and horrifying and awful, gross and... Uh, not gross. Just the right amount of icky. But that is next week. And today is the day. Take a risk. I definitely need to wear a bra under this. This is a job for Gymnastics Dad. Don't worry, honey. I'll save you. Get the fuck out of my way. Hey, so rude. Ah, where can I get a bra around here? Lady, where the fuck can a guy get a bra around here? I need a fucking bra for a little fucking kid. Ah, oh, goddammit. Get out of here!
Get out of my way! Coming through! Coming through! Watch out! Ah, uh, this is so much harder than I expected. Next week on Risk. Hello. <laughs> Don't let the ghosts and the ghouls disturb you, darling. The killers are eating the flesh of the people they murdered. I forgot to tell you, I want to blush on my hot dog. <laughs>